ideas, inspiration, innovation. This is The Game Changer. And now here's your host, Chickie Fitzgerald. Good afternoon. This is the Executive Girlfriends Group, and we have such a treat today because uh, we have got an author, Kristen Kaufman, who is joining us. And this is not our first interview. I interviewed her uh, back when the Executive Girlfriends Group uh, was in its heyday. And uh, Kristen, we are in the midst of trying to revitalize the Executive Girlfriends Group. It had really been dormant for some period of time, and I had moved all of my interviews to the Game Changer Network. So thank you so much for being uh, one of our early uh, guests of, as we uh, rebuild our Executive Girlfriends Group neighborhood. Kristen, I love to start with uh, your backstory. And so I would just really appreciate you taking us through why did you ever decide to become an author? What, what was the, the precursor to that? And, and why this particular book series? Right, great question. Um, well, I'm a small town girl. You know, Hot Springs, Arkansas was my hometown and where I was reared. And I was a corporate executive, as you know, um, for about 25 years. But what's so interesting, you're gonna love this story. Um, I don't think I shared this with you. When I was cleaning out my parents' home because they passed away a couple of years ago, I found underneath my bed an actual journal that I had said what I wanted to be when I grew up, and I wanted to be a writer for the National Geographic Society. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so I had kind of forgotten that, and um, so I don't think that was the reason why I became an author, but what was interesting is that when I decided to start writing, I felt called to write, and I'm sure most authors will tell you they had something tugging at them, that they had something to say, and how the book series began, it really wasn't going to be a series at all. The first book was about people that I met on my travels when I was managing this multi-billion dollar global business, you know, and I would meet people in the Admirals Club at LaGuardia, or I would meet people on a train going to Lucerne or wherever. And I kept a journal of all of these people and the wisdom that they bestowed upon me. And I didn't really know what I was going to do with that, but ultimately that was the book that came to be was the first one was all about, is this seat taken the random encounters that change your life? Because those people were definitely random, but they were not incidental, you know? Well, and I have to tell our listeners that uh, that was actually the first interview that we did. Yes. And I took a copy of that book. I had, I had actually two copies of it. And I was speaking at a conference of two major travel industry companies that were merging. And I was asked to be one of the keynote speakers at that event. And, you know, it was in this enormous ballroom in Las Vegas. And I tore a page out of your book and put it on every single chair in the ballroom. And I explained to them that they needed to think about the person who was sitting next to them, who might have two weeks ago been a competitor, right? And because these two competitive companies were coming together in a merger. Right. Right. And, and so I used the whole uh, discussion of random encounters to talk about actually having this random encounter 
in, in a merger situation. So I don't know if I ever got a chance to tell you, you that story. That so creative, actually. I mean, because I don't think a lot of times, and you'll probably appreciate this, those of us that were global road warriors, most of the time we get on a plane and not that we've been on a plane any time in the last 18 months, but <laughs> back in the normal day, and we would go, you know, headphones on, you know, we were going to read our book or whatever. And we weren't really, or I'll speak for myself as an INFJ on Myers-Briggs, I would hole up and I would be like, do I really have to talk to that person sitting next to me? But when I did, it was sort of amazing. The, I mean, I just believe they're not incidental encounters are not incidental. They absolutely were sitting there for a reason. So that's really how the book series began. Right. And, you know, I think it's really, uh, it's just so timely because we have all been scattered, right? Our, most of our relationships are Zoom relationships. Uh, you know, some of us have gone so far as to create a Zoom wall where we can describe our background, right? And what we do. Right. And, you know, others are, are just trying to figure out how to keep their businesses going. You know, we've got such a wide range of women in the Executive Girlfriends group. It started out uh, almost 15 years ago with all women from the travel industry. And because that was my industry, right? And uh, there were a couple of major conferences throughout the year. And uh, there was a season of time when I was part of the board of a, a group that did um, executive women's conferences as an adjunct to the, the big travel conference. And it was such an amazing experience. <clears throat> and some of us decided that every time we would go to these conferences, we'd get together for dinner. And at first it was just, it was really, um, you know, it was just whoever was there would, would meet at a restaurant. And then I decided to form the executive girlfriends group. And the funny thing was that the day that I made that decision turned out to be national girlfriends day. Who knew that That's there even was? That's providential. I had no idea, Kristen. And I look back and it's like National Girlfriends Day. I've never heard but of that. But yeah. <laughs> August, August 1st, if you must know. Uh, but anyway, I, I formed this group and uh, invited the women that I knew. And every Friday at four o'clock, we would get on this call. And, and whoever showed up, showed up, right? And, and it really wasn't about building the group. And, and I never really was going for, for numbers and it didn't really have a business model behind it, much to my husband's chagrin, right? But, but it was really interesting because the people who were on each call God just handpicked them. I'm telling you the, the right people showed up at the right time for the right call. And, and we would have just amazing conversations. And we ended up making the tagline of the executive girlfriends group, extraordinary women with uncommon bonds, because the ability to come to a group and back then masterminds weren't popular, right? And, and any groups that you had were typically associations or things, they'd get people together, you know, a couple of times a year face to face, right? right? And there wasn't anything in between. And I kept saying, you know, why don't we make all of this effort to have these big industry conferences, and then we let all these months go by, you know, with nothing, right? So we created this group for the women. And then later on, uh, I decided to make it co-ed, right? Not, not the executive girlfriends group, but the community that we now live on. Um, but 
This morning, I was thinking about our interview, Kristen, and, and about the book that we're going to talk uh, about today. And, and is the latest one, It's Never Too Late to Find the Right Seed? No, that's the second one. And okay. That was about mid, you know, late in life success stories and people that. Um, Got it. You know, I followed. But the last one is called, um, Is This Seat Taken? No, I Saved It for You. Exactly. So, again, when I was thinking about this one this morning, I thought about all the people, in fact, you know, just even of the people who are on the call today, we've got one person uh, who's on the call live who was part of the board of directors of that original group, right? And, and she's been with me, you know, kind of through thick and thin since then. We've become more business or more personal friends, you know, even than business colleagues. Um, and, you know, then we've got other people that I've, I've met through different, uh, you know, organizations that I've been involved in. But what I'd love to do uh, today is to dig in to this particular book. And by the way, is this the last book in the series or, or are the there more? Of, no, it's the last of the series. It's not the last book forever, but it's the last in the series for sure. Got it. Got it. So uh, again, we're talking today about the book, Is This Seat Taken? No, I Saved It For You, Inspiring Life Lessons from Everyday Experiences. So Kristen, I want to talk a little bit about some of your favorite stories. And, you know, you, you always come up with the most uh, intriguing uh, titles for each chapter. And I know you tell uh, within the book framework, you tell each of these individual stories. And we're not going to have time to talk about all of them. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to just pick the first one. Uh, because it it is uh, it's it's one that really pops out at me. Uh, we've been talking a lot lately about integrity and about how people learn and how we teach leadership. And the fact of the matter is, no matter what materials we put together to train people, they learn the most just from watching us, right? From observing us. And I was sharing with my business partner that, you know, my entire corporate life was filled with command and control leadership, mostly men, not all, um, but where they, they weren't teaching good leadership. Um, you know, the travel industry has a lot of people who've kind of grown up through the ranks and, and didn't really get uh, proper leadership training. But, but I was saying in recounting that story that as a parent, it really is uh, our kids watching how we behave and not necessarily what we say and that there has to be integrity in that. So your first chapter is about one little girl was watching. What was she watching and what did she learn? Well, I was a little girl. I was a little girl and it's based in my hometown, which is for people who don't know where Hot Springs is. It's Bedford. It's like a Bedford Falls using the um, It's a Wonderful Life comparison. And we lived in a historic area. My parents bought this house that was built in 1885 and they basically renovated it's on the historic registry and we were there our entire life our entire childhood on either side of us were two widows and one was miss dillard and one was miss moriarty and they were very different miss dillard was the imagine the um scarlet hair with the hose oh, yes. with the black seam down the back <laughs> with high heels you know, the fox collars, you know, the gloves that match the bag, the whole nine yards. I'm going, I mean, I'm dating myself, right? But that's how they used to dress. Right. And then the woman on the right, Miss Moriarty, also a widow, 
was one step above a nun. You know, orthopedic shoes, very drab clothing, you know, very nondescript. And um, I grew up knowing about these women. We were very close to our neighbors. We were reared to be kind to our neighbors. We always were taking things over, my sister and I to them. And over the years, because I lived there up until last year. I mean, I, my parents lived there until they passed away last year. You know, so I watched neighbors come and go, but those were the two neighbors that were there when I was growing up as a little girl. So I watched them. And so the story is about the lessons that Mrs. Dillard and Mrs. Moriarty taught me through their life. Mrs. Moriarty went to mass every single day. She did not own a car. She walked to the cathedral. She walked to the grocery store. You know, she never complained if it was raining or snowing. She still walked to mass and she still walked to the grocery store. You know, it just, the, the, the simplicity of courage in these elderly women, because they were both widowed at a very young age, their family, their, obviously their, their husbands took very good care of them, thus they could stay living in their homes. But just think about it. You know, they had been, the, my entire life, they had been widows. So that's a long time to be a widow. Right. And I just, I just watched, I watched how they lived. I watched the values that they embraced every single day, their kindness toward other neighbors, their fearlessness in embracing life every single day. So just the simplicity of that, Chicky, you know, just the simplicity of that, but yet how robust and what a gift, you know, for mm -hmm. me to be able to have that growing up. And Kristen, I know that as you write these books that you get feedback from people who, who read them and whose lives are changed because of them. What is the story in the book that you've gotten the most feedback on where people have just said, oh my gosh, that just really woke me up? Yeah, well, there are a couple. Um, there are two stories, neither one of which were intended to be about my parents. Um, they were intended to be about um, stories that kind of uh, rotated around my parents. One was a story about my mother and dad's housekeeper um, and it's called Gleaning and it's a beautiful story. Um, and I can say that not because I wrote it, but because her story is so beautiful. Um, that story without question is, is one of the top ones because of her lack of guile. Um, this this beautiful woman who is still a very dear friend of my sister's and our, ours and still takes care of our home in hot springs our lake house she had no guile she was all, she was a true mm. servant leader where she gave and gave and gave and gave and that was all that mattered to her was to be in service to my mom and dad so that's one story um, that truly impacts people because of the simplicity of it um, the other story that definitely men in particular really love is the story that my dad told me about his time in a Korean hospital where he had been operated on, I think, 10 or 11 times, and he had been in the Korean hospital for almost two years. Um, and the story is about the story that he told Gretchen and I about the people, is this seat taken? Are these beds taken? He was there for two years and he watched men mm. come in and out, in and out. Many never got out. They went home to their heavenly home. They did not go home ever to the United States. That story without any question with men resonates because um, we 
take for granted so many times the, the sacrifice that men have given. And when my dad, as a grown man, was telling us still would well up and, you know, shed tears because of the magnitude of the impact that these people had that had been laying next to him on either side of him for almost two years. I mean, that could be a book. To be honest with you, that, that in and of itself could be a book. Um, so those two stories really, I think, are the two that I hear about most often. Mm-hmm. But the one story that I will tell you, because there are so many women on your on your um, listening group, there's a story um, about Mean Girls. And I don't entitle it Mean Girls, but I do. And, but it is a story about a Mean Girl experience that I had. And it, it was a very, very hard chapter to write. In fact, it was the one that I think I rewrote maybe 12 times, 12 or 13 mm-hmm. times with my editor, because I wanted to take all of the the um, hurt out of it and I wanted to tell it just with objectivity and um, and why that seat was saved for me because the seat in this third book is not necessarily a physical seat it's a metaphorical seat the seat being the experience why and why was that experience why was I why did I have to sit in that seat and I'll tell you that story um, women always when I'm doing a talk or a speaking engagement will say to me, how in the world were you able to write that? That took such bravery. And I said, well, how could I not? Because there's, there's, there's no one on this call today that has not had an experience like that. And and unfortunately for most of us, it, it happened in our corporate life. Yeah, right? where where the main girl was another woman uh, in the leadership ranks who should have been a supporter and a cheerleader for us, and and they weren't. No. And and because I never fit well in the corporate world, I wasn't someone who was ever going to climb the ladder. I was always an individual contributor because I was good at coming in and solving a problem and then moving on to the next thing. So I, I wasn't right. in a, essentially a leadership role. Right. Um, and, but because of that, I, I was a misfit, right? I mean, I describe myself as a corporate misfit and, uh, you know, with, with a little bit of pride because I was a rebel, you know, as I, as I, I was get growing it. up. I totally get it. Right. Yeah. But that story is a, um, again, you know, it's hard to condense these stories into sound bites, but that story um, was a was a um, cathartic story for me to write, right. and a very liberating story. It's amazing when you have the courage to open your kimono and let all the worms crawl out. You know, <laughs> that's a horrible metaphor, but y'all follow me. But yeah, you know, it's sort of amazing when you do that. How empowering it can be, and most importantly, how empowering it can be for people who are reading it. And that's the feedback that I've gotten from so many women that say, oh, my gosh, we've all been there. We've all been there. Your perspective is really valuable kind of a thing. So, well, and you bring a really important point up that that part of growing individually, right, as an individual leader is learning how to retell those stories, removing the emotion. Right. And I've had to do this with my career of how do I tell my the high points of my career story so that it's meaningful to the person who's listening to it, but that I'm not having to weave in those things that I've already recovered from. Right. I I hear you. Yes, totally. Yeah. So what was the one story that you wondered whether you should include it? And, you know, you went back and forth 
well, that was the one, to be perfectly uh, honest. The, the mean girl, I mean, I really debated about not even putting it in. And I was encouraged by people, my sister being the most forefront, who had been with me through that experience, which by the way, you'll appreciate this. It took me seven years to get over that experience. Mm. Um, seven years. Are you kidding me? But that's how long it took me. And she's like, Kristen, you have to, it's a sacred responsibility for you to share this experience because you went through it for a reason. You are now capturing, you know, these stories in this book. That was one of the most transformational experience that I had in my adult life. So I had to put it in there. Um, that was one. Um, there's another story on the opposite side of, of girlfriends that you'll appreciate, but it's all it's entitled The Indispensable Bridge. And the bridge, of course, is humor. And so I tell a story with my friend's permission about a very embarrassing. Well, it's not embarrassing. It actually happened, but it would have been it would be embarrassing to me. But she's like, no, you absolutely have to put it in there. And I said, well, do you want me to use your name? Absolutely. And I won't tell you what it is, but just suffice to say it was a very like very embarrassing story that we laugh about. If anything bad has happened to either one of us, we just look at each other and we go remember, and then we just start laughing all over again. So that indispensable bridge called humor is I think one of the, we just don't laugh enough anymore, you know, and oh, <laughs> I think amen to that. <laughs> and I think it's important that we do, because I think that's the bridge that bonds friendship. I really do. So those, I guess, would be the two. The, the former, the one that I really wrestled with was the mean girl one, but I'm so grateful that I ultimately did publish it. So, well, another one that jumped out at me, uh, because again, I've been really trying to focus on the things that I'm grateful for in my life is gratitude for the unexpected. Okay. Yeah. Well, and that, you know, the whole, this whole book is about gratitude, by the way, of the unexpected, you know, and um, th that gratitude of unexpected, that is actually the name of, that's the name of the, um, of the mean girl chapter. Oh, wow. So, you know, originally it was called Mean Girls and, um, and my editor was like, no, yeah, don't do that. You, you want to be grateful for the unexpected things that have happened to you in your life because it definitely points you in a different direction. Oh, you know, how cool is that? And, and because it does. You know, if, if it points you into valuing and, and appreciating the things that are really of most value to you. And right. it was clear to me through that experience that perhaps we were parting ways, that things that were important to certain individuals were no longer important to me. So I had to be grateful for those things that happened that were not necessarily what I wanted them to happen. Do you know what I mean? I absolutely do. So Kristen, I have so appreciated you sharing these stories and I know we, we all can't wait to dig in uh, to the book and in particular into that, that chapter. Oh. So you end this book in talking about uh, living with questions and <clears throat> you give us a, a thought and activity guide for our journey right, toward getting to that place where we can actually be aligned with what God intended for us to learn through every one of those experiences. Tell us a little bit about that. And then I'd love for you to share what it is that you're doing today 
And if people would like to follow you, uh, what's the best way to do that? And then we'll we'll switch and uh, allow the folks who are on the call today, if they would like to ask anything or, or just comment, uh, we'll, we'll give them that opportunity. Okay, thank you. Well, I'm a huge believer that the wisdom is in the questions, right? And we, as we grow older, have to get comfortable with not knowing all the answers and being comfortable with ambiguity, which those of us who come from corporate America, ambiguity is like that. You know, we, we want to know what we know. And there's a lot of wisdom in not knowing and being comfortable with not knowing and being comfortable living in question and being um, comfortable with that ambiguity of not having binary answers to open-ended questions, right? Um, the, at the end of the book, I actually developed a workbook, um, which I, I never thought I would do, but I'm so glad again, I did, which gives a bibliography. It gives a lot of questions, um, a lot of processes for people to come into the position that I call alignment and alignment to me is the name of my company is all about when you love what you do and you're good at it, but most importantly, it's tied to something much greater than yourself. And when those three things come into alignment, then you are at your most powerful and you are, you are doing what I believe is our purpose on earth. And is that a finite position? No, I was in alignment when I was in corporate America and then I outgrew that and I grew into something else. And so it's a constant, it's the human condition that we're constantly evolving and growing, but I just am a huge believer that when we get comfortable with being in question, that's when all the juice comes. And I just do believe that. And so the last part of the book is all about questions and, um, and exercises and processes and um, things that you can do in your life to help open up those, um, those curtains, so to speak. Well, uh, I just, I'm so excited about the opportunity to read this new book since we uh, started our journey uh, with your first book. We have been talking with Kristen Kaufman and she is the author of a book, Is This Seat Taken? So Kristen, where can they reach you if our listeners who aren't here live today on the show would like to follow you? Oh gosh, well, I'm, I'm everywhere. I mean, like all of us are probably, but, and it's all under Kristen Kaufman with, a, with an I. So it's K-R-I-S-T-I-N, Kaufman is K-A-U-F-M-A-N. My website is KristenKaufman.com. Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube. It's all underneath either Kristen Kaufman or Alignment Inc. Those are my two, my two handles. All right, wonderful. Well, we're going to end uh, the recorded part portion of our call. I am going to continue to record it because sometimes some amazing stuff comes out. You've been listening to The Game Changer. Ideas, inspiration, innovation with Chickie Fitzgerald. Like what you just heard? Visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business.